HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm HRN's Communication Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're exploring the future of eating animals, and we're going beyond typical meat sources. If you look at the length of human history, we've been eating insects a lot longer than we haven't been in the United States and Western Europe. We're looking at unusual ways to purchase meat. People are like, really? Why would I want to buy that out of machine? And we introduce you to Frank Reese, a poultry farmer whose traditional farming methods are featured in a new documentary. I'm a fourth-generation farmer in Kansas, and I focus basically all on standard-bred poultry and have my whole life. He's kind of the last one standing with these rarefied breeds that are so important for if we're going to eat chicken and turkey into the future. He's essential. He's a national treasure. Listen to Meat and 3 this week to better understand the history and the future of meat. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell you, Pete, murder. It is murder. And it's <laughs> going to be a killer show today. I can't believe it. We're going to be talking about archaeobiology. What? That's right. We're going to be talking um, about wine, um, poetry, songs, and maybe even speak pizza. English. Come we're on. We're going back. How far back are we going? How way far back are you going? back. We're going to ask the, <laughs> the musical and magical question What did Jesus drink to Mike Edison? What did he turn uh, water into wine? And that's everybody's favorite pizza, Pizza Rumba. I'm here. You're there. Barely. More dead than alive, but uh, I made it. I wouldn't miss this show for all the wine in Canaan. <laughs> Which came in earthenware. Okay. And forest. Well, what was what was the legal drinking age in 2000? 
uh, in, in 2000 uh, BC. In 2000 BC, in 33 yeah. AD. Um, <laughs> I, I, all I know is that you ha- you were running around like a maniac trying to find one of those amphora openers. <laughs> anyway, we're joined by Kevin Bigos today, who is the author, science journalist, and author of Tasting the Past, the Science of Flavor, and the Search for the Origins of Wine. And I got to tell you, I'm loving this book. This sweet Kevin, audience. good to see you. Hey, Mike, great to be on. It, um, so we've got a wine scientist with a punk rock Can past. you hold the book up for the audience? You, you, can't, you can't beat that. Do the George Thorogood, we call that. Because once I was on the radio with George Thorogood, and they said, so you have a new record, and you actually held it up. Yeah, you got hold it up. That, hold that's, it up. that's what happens when you do 8,000 like, bar gigs in a row. <laughs> you, get, you get a little punchy like that. The, cover, the cover's beautiful. The cover's beautiful. Let's hey, show it to the they, audience. They, 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 they did a great job. Who, who's who's responsible for this? Job. <laughs> this guy. They did a great it's job. Professional. Like, see, look now. Look at this little strand of DNA, which yeah. right there on the cover, because I, the book I is. I insisted on that. All right. The well, only wine book with well, DNA on the cover. Well, uh, the only wine book with DNA on the cover. So tell us, Kevin. Tell us about your book and the DNA of wine. Came about completely by accident, like most good things in life. I was in Amman, Jordan, not where you think to find wine, and my little hotel mini bar had a bottle from Cremason Monastery and Winery in Bethlehem, and I, that was ten years ago, two thousand eight, and I thought to myself. Monks are making wine in the Middle East in 2008, so I tried it. it Maybe not in 2009. Well, were they making it? I was. I like. There's a map in the book, and sort of says the spread of wine, and it starts in 8,000 BC, likely origin of wine. Caucasus Mountains. So bring us back 8,000. Uh, well, I guess that'd be 10,000 years now. Um, did I do the math right? Yep. Armenia, Republic of Georgia, Eastern Turkey. Somebody was collecting bunches of grapes in the barrels and they let them sit for too long so the natural yeast fermented turned it into wine and they took a <laughs> sip and they were like whoa that this was, is this is something different that was their peanut butter and the chocolate moment they left the wine for too long but not only that they started to figure out the grapes that were too m- long. most grapes are male and female you know they have to pollinate and do all that there's a little segment of wine grapes that are hermaphroditic, mm. self-pollinating. <laughs> so humans started select all the wine grapes in the world now. Every vineyard, France, Italy, California, is descendants of those early hermaphroditic wine grapes that humans picked out because every year they very ahead of the curve. Yep. Well, we're a very progressive show, and and yeah, uh, perfect we're, for Pride Week. We're, yep, that's right. We're we don't, we don't judge boy the wine, wine, girl wine. The whole wine industry is based on hermaphroditic grapes. Gender fluid wine. So I, I let's, let's get right to it. I see I see a couple of bottles of wine sitting here on the table. There are Kevin. <laughs> what are these? So while you're pouring this, answer the question that everyone wants to know, and that is, what did they serve at the Last Supper, and did it pair well with the lamb? Well, believe it or not, that wine I tried in Amman, Jordan, made by Cremason Monasteries. They used these strange grapes with names like Hamdani and Jaladi and Baladi, uh, Dabuki, obviously, a long way from Merlot and all that. It turns out those grapes really were probably growing there two or 3,000 years ago. They've done DNA, DNA analysis, whole family tree. They were there way before Merlot. So the answer is this, the Last Supper could have had Jandali wine. Uh, I read, I looked up, and I found this on an oddly Christian site that said that all the wine drinking in the Bible was not an excuse for Christians to drink excessively. That was sort of the message of I, this I, site I, I, I found. I think they're way off message because <laughs> when they ran out of wine at the at the wedding of Cana, he, uh, Christ chose that to be his first miracle, to keep the wine coming. John 2, yep. change the water yep. into wine. Exactly. And the whole Bible's filled with, you know, the grapes of wrath. 
That's from the Bible, the Steinbeck title. So, but it was wine, right? It was it was wine as we would know it. Yeah. We would recognize yep. this as wine. Well, well, like again, holding this up for the audience, yeah. we just poured a supposedly white wine, but it's actually very orangish, uh, unfiltered. So the old wine, they didn't add anything to it. They didn't. It was like unfiltered apple cider. You know how cloudy it mm-hmm. is and sort of wild and rambunctious. So the old wine would have been more like that. They only started filtering the last. 50, well, this, years. this this looks like a, a trendy orange wine. It does. It actually uh, it smells like an oxidized, slightly uh, like a, is, the floor. What, this, what are they this, is, this is five years in oak bar- and, uh, a, a native Greek wine from a local grape, but after they ferment it naturally, they put it for five years in oak barrels. So, whole kind of different. It's got almost, almost tastes like <laughs> almost tastes like sherry. Yes, I like like like, like, like the yeah. high end grape there other from Jerez, those wines from the south of Spain. Salty too. Yep, um, a little bit of saltiness. Uh, fascinating. The, the the whole profile we have of like just a pleasing normal kind of white Chardonnay was much wilder thousands of years ago. They had much more oh, uh, variety of wild yeast, wild grapes, all these intermixes. So was the East time. Village was wild a thousand years ago. Everything was wild a thousand wild years times. ago. This and again, this is uh, this appears <laughs> in the glass like a uh, sherry, a, yep. a, a tawny. Would you yep. say tawny? Yep, very tawny, um, and it tastes like. Uh, okay, it, it, in in France you'd have the Chateau Chalon, which is produced it's somewhat like this or uh, harass with skins right. on skins, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Well, you would expect the path of, of the grapes to to go that way through southern Spain, and I expect the Romans had something to do with all of this. They came along much later. Like, you know, they got there about 5,000 years after the Caucasus Mountains, but uh, then they finally brought it to France, and the French finally learned and mastered it and got better than everybody else. But, but the Romans did like to tipple. I'm, oh, listen, yeah. I saw Caligula. I know this for a fact. The documentary oh, Caligula. Oh, they made big money <laughs> off importing, exporting, controlling all the trade routes, the wine trade routes. And where is Rome? In Italy. All, all those, like, yes. Yes. Well, well oh, known Matt, Matt, for you its were supposed wine. to hit the, uh, the the audience was supposed to applause at that. I think I, I'm, I'm trying to figure that one out. This anyway, this Christian website I stumbled on and said um, certainly did not say that Jesus drank Manischewitz, which I was very disappointed to find out. Shapiro, because apparently uh, my family's been doing it wrong for years, but said that what he drank was similar to an Amarone. Yeah, you know, people used to say that before they did the DNA analysis on these local grapes of the Middle East. That's just the last few years, they started actually, you know, using DNA to figure out what the heritage was. So, Emroni, that's probably just a wild guess. But I want to know more about this DNA because Kevin is a scientist, okay? He's not like you and I, civilians. Science like journalist. Okay? A science journalist, okay? Okay. Uh, he's, 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 not, he's not your uh, rank-and-file dipsomaniac like we are. The man knows of what he talks. Well... Well, at least now. Ten years ago, I didn't. And then I figured out, hey, they're starting to use DNA to analyze wine grapes just like we analyze our own genome. That blew me away. And using mass spectrometry and all sorts of things to analyze little tiny remains on Egyptian tombs to figure out what spices they used. So all those high-tech medical tools are starting to, you know, document wine down to the molecule. You know, exactly what molecule gives it. Were the Egyptians into drinking wine or were they more beer? Huge into drinking wine. Did um, you see that? Everyone always, you, you know. You know, they made, um, they were doing serious winemaking like 5,000 years ago. They named the vintage on the amphora. They named the winemaker. They named the vineyard and the quality of wine. And sometimes they had 10 or 12 stamps 
mm-hmm. for the tax and exports to keep track of, like, mm-hmm. and, and they would Caesar, steal it. What is Caesar's? That's what I'm talking about. Render under Caesar. Exactly. And, you know, they had all these complicated seals to supposedly keep it, you know, fresh. But it was big business. They planted big vineyards all through the southern Nile floodplains. And what about the Sumerians? I mean, with all of they the... were They were the first, probably, to really large scale. You know, the Hittites and the Sumerians, Babylon, all those cities, they actually had a, a sort of steward of the army called the Galgestan, who was like the wine steward for the army, because it looks like, it sounds like if you didn't, give your army enough wine, <laughs> yeah. it kind of yeah. got yeah. a little rowdy and, you know, you had to really keep the army happy or you were in trouble. Wine, later, 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 uh, <laughs> they upped that to whiskey by the time of the American Civil War. Well, this is, this is fascinating again, the wine that we're drinking and what is it again? If you can Where is it from very specifically? Yeah. This is from it's Greece, uh, yeah, from the Attica area and uh, they call it Old Barrel. It's uh, Sabatiano native grape, which is just grown in that one area, but then they ferment it with wild yeast, but then leave it in barrels for another five years. So it's pretty unusual. Totally uh, unusual. <laughs> and it, I don't know. That's what I thought Mike wanted. You know, yeah, he, no, he didn't want me to bring him like a California Chardonnay. No, wow. <laughs> but you know, but no, I, sure, I certainly didn't. Top. This is great. It does to me taste like a very a little a little bit sweet. A little, it's got a little sweet and salty, salt, but it's not light. It's it, but it tastes like sherry. It tastes like something that would be very good um, with tapas before the bullfight. And and I brought this because there's even records thousands of years ago of three-year-old wine and five-year-old wine and 10 or 20-year-old wine. So they figured out somehow how to keep it, uh, you know, in these amphoras sealed with probably plaster and reeds and all sorts of mm-hmm. things. So old wine, you know, has been a thing for thousands haven't of years. They, haven't they recovered wine in amphoras from shipwrecks? They have. Usually it's not <laughs> wine anymore, but uh, now they can analyze even just the stains on the old amphora. You know, yeah. and it used to just be a stain. You didn't know what it was. Right. So, yeah, wine stains are pretty hard to get out, so I guess they... <laughs> exactly. The, the you find you have that problem? Housewi- housewives 5,000 years ago, you know, they're I- like... Yeah, <laughs> I tell you when I moved when I moved to uh, Spain and I, I lived in Madrid and the first night I went out we were going to this art gallery and I was meeting some I was meeting some new people and they said you should wear black and I got very uppity I got very like like when I got my my East Village punk rock snoot on I said well wear black because you don't think I'm cool enough I should wear black and they're like no you retard because they're gonna, everybody's gonna be drinking red wine it's gonna be a crowded art gallery and someone's gonna spill it on you because it's Spain and if you're wearing anything but black you'll have a you'll, it'll show. Oh, duh. I got told. <laughs> anyway, speaking of records... You'll never know how much I really love you. You'll never know how much I really care. Yeah. All right, I think it's time. I, I think there's a song in your heart, <laughs> There's a Mike. song That's in my heart. There's you. wine in my glass. Oh, wine We're in talking glass. to Kevin Bigos, and his new book is Tasting the Past, The Science of Flavor and the Search for the Origins of Wine. And um, I think this calls for uh, Sticks McGee and Wine Spodioti. Whoa, Okay. <laughs> Well, down New Orleans where everything's fine Drinking that guy was drinking that wine Drinking that mess with the light When they get drunk, they fight all night Drinking wine, Spodio, your drink wine Wine, wine! Wine, Spodio, your drink wine Wine, wine! Spodio, your drink baby, pass that bar on me Well, I've got a nickel, baby, you got a dime Let's get together and buy a little wine Somebody fifth and somebody fourth When you buy and share, then you're doing things for Drinking wine, Spodio, drinking wine Wine, wine! Wine, Spodio, drinking wine Wine, wine! Drinking wine, Spodio, baby, pass that bottle to me All right, baby
you fight all night. Yeah, they're knocking down windows and they're knocking down doors. Drink a half a gallon, then we'll holler for more. Drink wine, spodio. Drink wine, 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 spodio. Drink wine, 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 spodio. To beat past that bottle. Go ahead, take one more. Uh, I'm drinking some wine now. Arts and Caesars. Wine. From, not from the attic, baby. From Attica. All right. Ah, oh, the people. The people. Oh. The people. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Finally, Matt's found the applause button. Matt, you got another button. We have a great audio clip. I love the part in your book, um, Kevin, uh, with one of my heroes, um, the great Richard Feynman, the physicist, talks about wine. He's giving a lecture brother. about wine. And um, there's a lot of poetry in this book, too, by the way. Larry's brother. People love songs about wine. They love poetry about, poets. about genre wine. wine poets. They were Muslim wine poets. So even though it was banned, they couldn't resist. Take your poet tries about it. Just Couldn't drink it. But no, they, they drank no, it. Of course they, when your yeah. heart is cradled in sorrow and trouble today and tomorrow, day after day, drink the liquid of the grape, my friend. That was Israel Ben Moses Najara. That was late. That was like like late 15th century. Yep, in Gaza. You, you know, late 15th century. So that was kind of like like modern wine poetry. But uh, let's, play, let's play the Feynman clip. One of my heroes, Richard Feynman, the man who fixed radios by listening to them. And was a master bongo player and uh, Nobel Prize winner. Nobel Prize winner and uh, knows more about um, the quantum mechanics of wine than anybody. Uh, let's play the clip, Matt. A poet, I think it is, who once said... The whole universe is in a glass of wine. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know in what sense he meant that. <laughs> For the poets don't write to be understood. But it is true that if you look at a glass of wine closely enough, you will see the entire universe. There are the things of physics, the twisting liquid, the reflections in the glass, and our imagination adds the atoms. It evaporates, depending on the wind and weather. The glass is a distillation of the Earth's rocks. And in its composition, as we've seen, the secret of the universe's age and the evolution of the stars. What strange array of chemicals are in the wine? How did they come to be? There are the ferments, the enzymes, the substrates, and the products. And there in wine was found the great generalization. All life is fermentation. Nor can you discover the chemistry of wine without discovering, as did Pasteur, the cause of much disease. How vivid is the claret present pressing its existence into the consciousness that watches it. And if our small minds, for some convenience, divides this glass of wine, this universe, into parts, to physics, biology, geology, astronomy, psychology, and all, remember that nature doesn't know it. So we should put it all back together and not forget at last what it's for. Let, us give it, let it give us one final pleasure more. Drink it up and forget about it all. <laughs> Drink it up, Pete. 
I love that. Don't, and I see you're there. You're worried about, about geometry and theology and philosophy and archaeology. But forget about it all. Drink it all. And uh, have a swig. This is making me so much happier. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was on the verge of, I don't know what to say, but, but when I got here. It was, it was terrible. But now... This little bit and of now wine. it's magic, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Baudelaire said, right? I understand in, the, in this wine there is truth as well, or so I've been told. <laughs> in the lingua franca of the Pope, of course. Yes, in wine there is truth. <laughs> so we have another bottle to try, right? We have another bottle uh, we're going, to try. We're going back to Bible times again, are we? Yeah, this is another Greek wine. Yeah, here's a little water the, you uh, can... Uh, on the peninsula. Have you ever been to Greece, Pete? Uh, to swim the English Channel? <laughs> I, Greece is very sticky. Uh, Greece, yeah. Yes, I've been to Greece many a time. <laughs> I, I produced an album in Greece with uh, the top uh, Greek garage rock band. Uh, the top Greek garage band. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's, our friend, that's our friend Courtney Adams, Lee Adams Jr. Uh, Courtney, you're very quiet <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah, yucking it up in the back there. You're very quiet. She's refusing to sing. Well, the last drive, and the record was Heat Wave 88. Thank you. Uh, Courtney, let's not forget, made the shittick, though, and introduced us to Kevin. So thank you for that. If you get, make three of okay, these shittiks, you get to go to heaven. That would be... That would be... The, the sleepy. <laughs> this is, this I was speaking, I was speaking Yiddish, and Matt got confused. Um, but speak, speaking of... Uh, Yiddish and Jewish tradition, you know, I love, um, and we should talk about ancient drunkenness, which doesn't mean like an old dude getting drunk. I'm talking about getting drunk back in ancient times. We can go uh, to Greenpoint I love the part um, in the Talmud and Purim, of course, is the big Jewish drinking holiday where you are instructed to get so drunk that you can no longer remember your name. Ah. So tell us what we're, what we're trying now, and uh, will I forget my name? This is uh, the Limnia wine from Greece also. Uh, you know, a, a red rake of... A red grape, but a much lighter, more fruity kind of grape than we're used to of Merlot or okay. you know, those kind of grapes. This is this seems much more conventional. It looks red in the glass. The nose is anything but conventional. Yeah, the nose isn't conventional, but it looks it's not quite as funky. No, it's it's got a little it's like kind of mineral on the nose. It's a little it's, it's got some earth, but not definitely not as funky. I mean that other thing was like part of yeah, the funkadelic. It was mineral like the, mother, like, like like the mothership landed in my a, glass. A piece of schist. <laughs> We That's could talk about terroir. Do we really yeah, want to we talk should, about terroir? Shall we? Well, this is very good. This is nice. Yeah. Yes, we shall. Because that's very important. You know, it's this great sales pitch to say, oh, the minerally taste comes up from the soil, from yeah. the limestone, yeah. from the flint, and it just completely doesn't. Right. It's but a, it's a great story. It's okay, a great okay, story. Well, okay, well, uh, educate and, and elucidate um, so it doesn't come up. So, no, uh, plants don't take mineral. I mean, there's a different kind of mineral, but they don't take flavors up from no, the soil. But, but they do, does affect how they grow. Exactly. And the productivity of the vine. Exactly. And the happiness right. of the vine. But the grapes that are grown differently, like Cabernet, uh, which I believe is the most popular grape in the world, grows everywhere. But a Cabernet from California tastes different than an Old World Cabernet, which is sort of at the heart of Bordeaux, which tastes different from some of the South American but, but Cabernets. You know, but you know who, what the horrible secret is that nobody wants to say? The what? yeast contributes some of the minerality, minerality, minerality flavors. It's there like the bass player in the rock band who gets like right. none of the fame and fortune. Exactly. But he's super important. The yeast actually contributes to the He's the, the foundation. Oh, the come now. You couldn't name more than two bass players who are actually important. Oh. Uh, <laughs> they're the foundation. That's all I can say. So, but it's not such a great sales pitch to say the yeast are giving you that irony, minerally flavor. You know, mm. they'd rather say it comes up from the soil. But, well, yeah. well I've, been, I've been told by uh, someone in the know, he says, listen, 
all bottles of wine, no bottle of wine costs more than $5 to produce. Okay, it's a bunch of grapes, and that's it. After that, you're paying for marketing. You might and pay, the land. And the real estate. <laughs> yeah, the real estate. And, and, you know, obviously, if it says Rothschild on it, you get a bump. That's the marketing. And, the, you know, the land has been there for a while. But basically, you're talking about a bottle of grape juice. And, and also, the myth of the wine... Um, and the perceived scarcity of wine when it's actually quite often a mass-produced product, uh, but the idea is to make one case less than you think you can sell um, to create the, you know... And to get the Chinese interested in it. The illusion of scarcity. In China, we did... Funny you mentioned that. In China, we did get to drink some interesting wine. (laughs) You know, they were making... It turns out they were making wine even nine or 10,000 years ago, but it was like a rice wine with kind of a different jasmine kind of grape. Yeah. They had the same rituals, just different type of wine. Yeah. Well, I think people make booze from what they find where they live, right? Isn't that the, the story, palm, the story of bourbon? Palm, right? Yeah, date Fig. palm wine. There's African wine from all sorts of things. Cola so, wine. Yep, there's wine I mean, in that's, Central America. Yeah, that's the oh. story of bourbon, though. When, the, when, they, when they got here and uh, they found out that corn was what grew here, that's what they made the liquor out of. That's exactly, And they made a lot of it. <laughs> and, and they also realized that it was easy <laughs> to transport as an uh, export item. And I was very happy that they did. Me I, and I Jerry Lee Lewis were very pleased with the bourbon. Yeah. You know, when we were, the flesh tones, are, of course, are always uh, studying uh, the, my band <laughs> as we travel. Uh, and uh, one studying of the things studying the Bible. There was study. Yes, we have to, oh, every it. night. <laughs> but uh, we also study the drinking habits of the local areas that we visit. And uh, w- one thing that we were C- kept contributing hearing, to the per capita <laughs> consumption. Oh, t- totally. totally. We contribute to everywhere we go. But uh, when we were visiting Ravenna and the beautiful, uh, the beautiful uh, so-called uh, sepulchre of uh, Gala Placida. Uh, and the, 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 one of the most the masterpiece of, of uh, jewel of, of mosaics of late Roman art. And the word was is that her favorite wine was the Albani. Albani. Mm-hmm. And, but, I, but then people wonder, was this just a little bit of PR put, in, put into effect by a 13th century writer who trying to boost the Albani you know, thing? But uh, we don't they, know. They named a lot of particular vineyards and regions, Falerian, you know, yeah. Albani. So it looks like they definitely had their preferences. Uh, right. We don't know if that was the great name, though, or just the vineyard region uh-huh. name. Uh, but, but, but definitely. Yeah, because were. of this now in the Ravenna area, though, they uh, are they upgrading the Albani. Well, they're, all, they're you know, they're putting you know, quality production into, into the Albani. It's quite nice, actually. It's a wonderful wine no. if uh, you, you, know, you pay some attention to it. Like any other, I guess. I don't know. i got to tell you, I quite like what we're drinking right what now. It's opening up. Again. And uh, tell us about it, it again. You know, that's the big... I was a really normal, average wine drinker 10 years ago. I drank Chardonnay, Merlot, this, that, Riesling. And I didn't realize there were hundreds and hundreds of native local grapes all over the world. Just like you said, if you take care of making it. And even some of the top wine experts, like scientists, are coming to say the same thing. It's all just... A marketing scam to say it's only five or six grapes. Well, there's a bit. There's a bit in your book where Isaac uh, Isaac Asimov, Eric Asimov, um, says, uh, "Oh, I can't believe I'm falling for a wine from Vermont it made it from hybrid grapes with American wild grape DNA." Because like, because the Vermont terroir is not uh, generally indicative of good wine producing. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's terrific. But they have a great winemaker there, Deirdre Heakin, and she planted these American hybrid grapes that are doing great, you would never guess it was an American wine. You'd think it was from northern Italy. Right. Well, we, I think this Greek wine is definitely uh, you know, turning the key. Give a shout-out to the bass player in uh, Hudson. <laughs> oh, oh, the bass player. Uh, Fred Smith. Yeah. Oh, Fred Smith, that's right. right. You see, now there's a bass player a that matters because he for makes about two years. wine. I just tried his wine for the first time a and couple of days ago. I think Fuck. it's excellent. 
Is he Sarah, still, is Sarah he's, Gina Smith wine, Winery. That's right. Are they still doing the Rock and Roll Red? Is that still the, still the label? Yep. And, uh, and Eaten by Bears. I recommend the Eaten by Bears. Eaten. Eaten by, by oh, Bears. Oh, come on, Court. You want to even get Fred on the show? Eaten. Let's, get, let's, get, Fred, let's get, get Fred and his beautiful wife down here talk about wine and maybe Fred, that's right. and, and play the bass. And his adventures with the flesh tones in Spain. Exactly. I didn't realize yeah. that. I didn't realize that. That was sort of like... He came when, staggering out of the mist. <laughs> Fred Smith currently uh, of television. They did. It's a staggering. We, we were dro- on a long drive on a mountain pass. We had to stop. We were above the clouds. It was misting. We stopped to pee because we had been drinking. And... Fred Smith, <laughs> which didn't stop them from driving Fred, up a mountain. Fred, Fred Smith came staggering out of the mist, looked into my eyes with mock terror, and said, "Now I know, Zaremba is Alucard spelled backwards." <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah, you have to see the movie. Uh, right? There was nothing mock about that. Uh, that, 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 that. Son of Dracula, uh, right? Lon Chaney Jr., right? You get the you get the reference. No. Oh, so. <laughs> Dracula. It's it's the it's the big reveal in Lon, in Lon Chaney Jr.'s Son of Dracula, where the where the hero says, you know, he he's posing his Count Alucard, and finally towards the end of the movie, the hero <laughs> says, Alucard is Dracula, spelled backwards. Uh, anyway. And of course, my favorite line from uh, the Bela Lugosi Dracula, yours too. I do not drink wine. Uh, <laughs> true. All right. As always, it's been the fastest half hour well, on the no, internet don't tell today. Me. Yeah, we got to go, Pete. We're going to drink some of this Where Greek we wine. We're getting some pizza. And um, But before we go, I think there's going to be a little bit more song. One more time. Let's hear it for Kevin Bigos oh, and his man. fantastic new book, Tasting the Past, uh, The Science of Flavor and the Search for the Origins of Wine. You will recognize it by the DNA strand on the cover. Uh, good to see you, Kevin. Thank you, Mike. I wish to uh, come back Thank again because this wine. is uh, we have we barely scratched the surface. We barely. We didn't even f- read a single wine. Well, we read one wine poem. And we're singing some songs, and we heard Richard Feynman, and we're drinking this Greek wine. Richard, and uh, Larry's brother. And we're and we're gonna have some. No. And we're gonna have some pizza now. And I think this is gonna pair very well. Uh, All what right, are we doing? Before we're you go, we're you want to take a touch roll? Is that what we're yeah, gonna do? Yeah, I think we should. Okay, give me the key. Roulette. Give me the key to Let's say le bon temps roulette. All right, okay. Which means nothing in Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how this starts. Why don't you start it? Hey, everybody, let's have some fun. You only live but once. And when you're dead, you're done. So let the good times roll. Let the good times roll. Yeah, baby. Don't care if you're young or old. Get together, let the good times roll. Now let me tell you something. Don't sit there mumbling and talking trash. If you want to have a ball, you got to spend some cash. And let the good times roll. Let the good times roll. Don't care if you're young or old. Get together, let the good times roll. Shark is in town. We got five dollars and a quarter, and we're ready to clown. But don't let nobody play us cheap. We got four more dollars than we're gonna keep. Let the good times roll. Let the good times roll. 
Crafts and Seizures. Can want, you dig it? I want more of that wine. All right. Woo! Episode number 243. We're counting down to 250. See you guys next week. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.